Hi everyone, and welcome back to episode three of the Fitness in 15 podcast with me, Alex Morell, and Mr. Pete Davis. How are you, mate? Hello, everybody. I'm pretty well. How are you? Yeah, good, good. How's the, uh, how's the little addition to the household then? The little puppy, Billy, she's settling in well. Yeah, she's good. Very sharp teeth, though, I have to say. But no, <laughs> so, yes, good. Very, uh, a very good addition um, to, to, our, to our little family. So yeah, it's all uh, it's all nice. It's been a very good experience. I've never had a dog before, so it's pretty cool. How's Any, all you? Uh, yeah, good, mate. Good. It's uh, it's becoming reality now, isn't it? Five weeks in, and uh, and things are are very much set in stone that we're we're living in our we're living and working in our own spaces. It's uh, this weekend got me a little bit with the cabin fever, but we've come out the other side and we're all good. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. So, uh, our topic for episode three is going to be strength. Um, we could spend hours and hours going through the, the underpinning principles and uh, the, physiolog- the physiological changes that happen as you build strength. But uh, what, what we want is it for it to be a little bit more um, applicable for the listeners. So, I suppose you're, you're in a really good place to, to start us off here, Pete, in, in how you look at developing strength in the general public in the, the the normal everyday person that would walk into to HG3? Yeah, I think um, I think a lot of people look at strength as in just strength means the weight that you can lift, whereas there are so many more elements to strength of, of you know, body weight strength, there's external load strength, there's um, mental strength, et cetera. There's, there's so many different composites to it. But I think for me, the the main portion of strength is that you actually don't have to lift an external weight to be able to be strong um and i think the context of that is really important because i think a lot of people will look at an external weight and think right i've got to load my body load it up to gain strength but yeah yeah that is a case but it's also really really beneficial to become strong at you moving your own body weight before you start losing you moving an external uh, an external load so like some people i asked you the question before just whilst we were chatting away i was like do people are some people born naturally strong physiology physiologically are they better off and do some people have to work a lot harder for that strength so let's take for example a strict pull-up <clears throat> a standard body weight movement that we prerequisite for as a strength movement some people will just naturally be able to do that and their strength to body weight ratio will be pretty high someone like myself i had to really really work hard on doing pull-ups on strength pull-ups so what like from your point of view what do you think that strength is something that you have to work for in which way and also do some people actually have a little bit more of an advantage in the way that they're built yeah it's an interesting one and it's a it's a tricky one really because so many different factors come into play from our our makeup how long our levers are how long our limbs are our fiber type makeup whether we're predominantly more slow twitch fast twitch um but i think the one person i've got one person in mind um, and I'm sure he won't mind me mentioning him. His name's Harry Newman. Um, he's one of our, our upcoming stars at Leeds Rhinos, and he plays centre, and he's 19, maybe just turned 20, and he absolutely blows every single player out the water in every strength test. 
I, I'm not really. He front squats mm. 200 plus uh, pull-ups. Uh, we, I think he's 93 kilos body weight. I was just about to say, what sort of build are we talking here? He, he's six foot, six foot one, 92 to 94 kilos. He'll do pull-ups yeah. with at least 60 kilos external load on his body. Uh, bench pressing 120 to to 130. Um, but he he's just so neurally driven. He's so yeah. explosive. He's so neurally driven. But the the thing that that sort of comes on the the other side of the coin with that is if you asked him to go into a sort of a, a bear plank and asked him to yeah. extend like a bird and then go from a bird plank position and extend his right arm and his left leg he'd, he'd struggle with rotate uh, rotary stability and yeah he picks up niggles his hammy gets tight his groin gets tight and ultimately he's excessively strong so he's in the gym strong. he's in the no, gym and he's it, not this, strong this, enough in his body see this this is a discussion we have all the time at uh at work and it's it's how strong is strong enough yeah and at, at what point does movement matter and movement always matters but from an injury prevention point and from a, a, a performance point strength is the underpinning factor it'll make you faster it'll make you more robust from injury but how strong is strong enough if someone's picking up these niggles? Uh, is the fact that he's strong causing him to pick up the niggles? Or is the fact that he's strong preventing him from them niggles being worse? So are you essentially talking about the fact that because he is able to lift those loads, etc., on an on a day-to-day basis in the gym, is that his, his ability to be externally loading strong detrimenting his ability to stay healthy? Or is it, or is it keeping him healthy? This is the thing. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a very, very, it's a mind it's a line. Very, very tricky. Yeah. He neurally, he is one of the most strong. He's the strongest and most explosive people I've seen, and you, you can see it um, in other athletes. Um, I'm thinking, sort of top end athletes. Let's say George North. Yeah, he's a he's yeah. well swinger. Played for Northampton Saints, but look at his injury history. Massive. I how strong is strong enough? Uh, obviously, injury is so multifactorial and uh, to a large degree is down to luck. But yeah, how these the, these people who are amazing athletes, Michael Owen, amazing athlete. You'd say he was electric, but couldn't for the life of him sort his hamstrings out, and probably to the detriment of his his career in the long run. He then had an ACL injury. So. It's it's such a fine line, and I think strength underpins everything. But like you say, having that ability to to manage your own body weight, and and strengthen rotary stability based exercises, anterior core exercises, single leg uh, squat uh, patterns, things like that, the 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 vastly overlooked. Most people look at strength and say, right, you've got that on your back when you're doing a back squat. You can pick that up off the floor and you can push that above your head. Yeah. So what would you then say, so let's say you had a general public coming in to see you, what would be your strength rec- uh, prerequisite for them? So what would be a a basic strength test that you would put them through that would give you enough understanding to to then progress them forwards? Yeah, I think, again, going back to our last podcast it, about movement being sort of the under, underpinning principle um, of physical development, it's 
for me, I'd want to know that they can manage the body weight on one leg. So there's a lot of people running at the moment, and I, I can I can guarantee a hell of a lot of them people out there running, complaining of knee pain, ankle pain, Achilles, hip pain, couldn't do ten single leg squats to a to a, a chair with their hands yeah. on the hips, maintaining control on each side. And is that maintaining the position of the pelvis or lateral so stability, or what we're talking? If you if you set a camera up in front of you. Put your hands on your hips. That's Siri going off. I don't know why that happened. <laughs> My watch does that all the time. So um, if you set a camera up in front of you, set your phone camera up in front of you, a chair behind you, pop your hands on your hips, line your, uh, your feet up with your hips, and then pick one foot off the floor, dip your hips down, squat your hips down, tap them on the chair and back up. How many reps can you do? One without touching down with your, your uh, right foot. One with uh, two without lifting your hands off, and three maintaining a strong alignment between foot, knee, and hip. Really, really basic. Can you do ten reps? Okay. And if somebody can't do ten reps, uh, and what what if there is um, distinct difference? So let's say they can hit ten on their left and they can't hit ten on their right. It, the likelihood of that knee pain being on the right is increasing. Is increasing. <laughs> yeah. So there's some research looking at um, at single leg squats in people with knee pain, and I, th I believe off the top of my head, if you can, the, you, your percentage of likelihood to have knee pain significantly reduces if you can do 23 single leg body weight squats per side. There you go. Well, there you go. Yeah. There's a challenge for you, you all. Yeah, there's a challenge. Challenge for the day. Yeah. To go off so, with. I suppose, on the other side, so I, I, I always look at things from a, an injury an injury prevention and injury rehabilitation side leading into performance. What, what, what sort of tests would you be looking at, Pete, at someone that's, that's new to the gym or is recently taken up training? Um, so I normally do a, a test on, on three things. So one, um, one would be a ring row. So going back to a basic pulling, so try and break them down into like a push, a pull, um, and then one lower. And we've already hit on the squat, so that would become in there as well. And then um, a, a midline piece. So I'd look at a ring row. So how many ring rows can they maintain from a standard position? So that would be feet directly underneath the ring. Rings normally set up um, sort of nipple height um, for each person um, and how many ring rows can they do with perfect form and no loss of trunk or midline stability throughout those and maintaining the fact that the elbow is still the first point of flexion so shoulder girdle drawing first then elbow going and how many they can do um, I normally set them a time limit here so they can break it down and we look at like uh, normally about around about two minutes how many reps can you can do um, then I would look at a press-up test. So uh, I'd look at exactly because it's the opposing movement from the ring row. So it's a nice pressing motion. Um, so I'd look at that. And then I would also look at a midline. So two that I normally go for would either be a high plank um, or a dead bug. Um, very simple. I think dead bug's one of the best 
prerequisites to see if you can maintain spinal alignment, if you can maintain hip alignment, and also if you can move independently your legs and arms and it's still maintaining so you're getting co-contraction um, as you're working. So for example, if you're lying down on your back, chin tucked onto it or in a neutral position with your head on the floor, can you maintain your lumbar position and press your lumbar down onto the floor with both moving either left leg down to the floor and then back up and then right leg and then if they're pretty comfortable with that then i'll go um opposite so right and right leg left hand moving left leg right hand moving and quite often just to get a little bit of feedback if they can't quite comprehend that at the time i'll put like a skipping rope underneath them underneath their lower lumbar so they've got something to like as a cue to press against um and that would that would be it in simply if they can get between 10 and 20 reps being able to maintain that dead bug postural position then we've got a good base to work on and then that helps you takes gives you a lot of information to then be able to work where you might be able to externally load them and if you can externally load them because if they can't maintain that then what happens when you ask them to squat with an external load if they can't maintain a basic dead bug body weight yeah no, I think the dead bug is such a, or traditionally such an undervalued position and uh, and pattern that people are only just starting to realise its value. And if you think about it with the, with the hips and knees flexed, you're in the bottom of a squat position. Everyone yeah. talks about butt winks and all, and excessive arching through the lower uh, the lumbar spine. But you lay someone on the back, they're in a very very safe position. So th this this yeah. is one of the biggest things I do with people with back pain. So you can train someone with who people who come into clinic and say oh i struggled squatting because of my back we can take them through a squat based pattern with them laid on the back yeah easy and without them knowing it their brain understands and their nervous system understands that pattern they're still they're still hitting their hip flexion knee flexion it might be unloaded but if we can train that trunk trunk uh, position we can stack the rib cage on top of the pelvis with the head and head in alignment as well that has a massive carryover when we go vertical and then the other thing that. about doing, sorry, the other thing about doing that as well is it takes any like um, men, mental anticipation out of it. So if they exactly. do are in pain and they're when you ask them to move in a squat, they will most likely, if they're in back pain or knee pain, they'll move to accommodate for that pain because they'll be expecting pain. Whereas if you're lying them down on the floor and ask them to do a dead bug, they have no expectation of pain because they've not been there before, and it's a new oh. movement. It's honestly in the uh, in the, in the, uh, the the show notes. I'll, I'll link a video that Peter Ross Sullivan did, and I, I shared it with you. And yeah. the the fear avoidance and the how people associate movements with discomfort and pain and injury and things like that, it, it's, it plays such a huge impact into to their recovery. So if yeah. you're telling yourself that you can't touch your toes or you can't squat, what do you think that's going to do to to one your apprehension? to two, the sensitivity of your nervous system and your likelihood to experience a painful stimulus. But three, how differently you're going to move. You're going to be so rigid. You're going to be restricted. The spines are meant to flex. Spines are meant to extend. They're meant to rotate. There's one of the best things that's happened in the last couple of years is that people have realized that moving is the best thing to do for pain, not yes, resting. Usually. And, and that carries over into to the class scenario, into the one-on-one PTS&C -on -one, um, uh, sessions. Moving is the best thing to do. And, and when you're in pain, the, the worst thing you can do is do nothing. 
yeah, there is always a way to train around it. And I think as well, a lot of people, there's um, a friend of mine, Jack Oliver, um, he um, he is an Olympic lifter and he always, always goes on a session at least once a week where he um, he will literally just do a PVC pipe session because yeah. he's priming his movement. So just because you're strong under a load, let's say you're an Olympic lifter and you've got really, really, you're bloody strong it doesn't mean that you don't have to then work those simple strength patterns that are working at body weight or a PVC pipe or at least an empty bar. You can still build strength without having to use that external load. And I think a lot of people will, when they're starting out, they'll work on these finer pieces of movement. But then when they get a little bit further into it, you kind of like, all right, well, I don't need to do that anymore. And that can also be a little bit of a downfall in the future because you suddenly work on the external loads rather than the uh, the bodyweight strength movements. 100%. I suppose it's very similar to the whole mobility paradigm. And I, I look at mobility very differently to, to the traditional sense that people would stretch and hold long duration stretches or even dynamic stretches. Your Your mobility is governed by your level of stability, which in essence is strength yeah if you are stable you're strong so if your nervous system perceives you to be unstable it'll reduce and lock down your mobility to keep you safe as a protective mechanism but if you can control a movement through its end range add one percent a day in terms of the control through that movement it's where the whole um andrea spina cars functional range conditions all come from about gaining end range control um, training the nervous system to control new positions, new new angles, new uh, patterns, and then subsequently, when you hit that the bottom position of a squat, you don't have to lose pelvic control, you don't have to lose midline control, um, and the, 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 again, the performance benefits and the, the the reduction in injury incidents is massive. Yeah, new range is often weak range, isn't it? One hundred percent, one hundred percent, and. But again, it goes back to the, the, the breathing. We obviously did that class um, through the HG3, um, the online stuff that you're doing at the moment. And I asked people to sit in the bottom of a squat and ask them uh, to see if they could breathe in and out through the nose for 10 breaths. Yeah. And some of the positions people were in was horrible. <laughs> because they couldn't my, control my it. Great either. <laughs> no, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because, because they, they don't have control over it and... If you think if you're then putting your body weight on a bar in the, uh, and hitting that same bottom position, how are you getting out of it? Yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. We, we, we could probably go over Valsalvas and things like that. And unless okay. you're, you're training at 90, 95% of your one rep max, like bre breath work and control has to be such a big part of it. Yeah. For longevity. That also comes back to do you ever do you really need to be training for the general public and especially athletes? Do they need to be training at anywhere above eighty to eighty five percent of their one rep maxes? There's definitely a time and a place for it for testing protocols, but on in in general, strength adaptions are not made up in that you know that last seven and a half to five percent of your of your strength element. That's no. you know a lot of the strength can be will will be made in moving better and being more adaptable. So I'm running a little squat program at the minute and I've been squatting around about 70, 75% just for reps and reps and reps. Two sessions a week are at that 75% range and then one session a week is progressively higher. 
just because I'm getting so used to squatting at a certain percentage and my confidence and my patterning and my strength in bottom positions is getting so much better. Yeah. Um, so going heavy all the yeah. time is not always, always the case. It, it, it's all about progressive overload. Small, yeah. marginal gains over time, working on pattern over, over plates. And if you, people, people set too much um, importance and place too much importance on watching what they did on Instagram when Sonny Webster threw 180 kilos above his head and looked like an absolute beast. And then they think, oh, well, if he can do it, I can do it. But you, you don't yeah. see the 15 years it took him to do that. Yeah, also his end range positions are ridiculous. just unbelievable, just ridiculous. And if you can do that in in a set of sliders, Jesus, <laughs> unreal. Definitely. So what, what's the big t- takeaway, Pete? We're, we're slightly uh, slightly running over as usual, but what's the big takeaway for, for you today? Uh, my takeaway is, is take your time. Um, a lot of people, and this is something I did when I first started training, I wanted to go heavy quickly and not really worry about how my form was going. So uh, my biggest thing to get strong is strength is earned and not given. So you have to put time into uh, learning how to get strong um, and work on work on the prerequisites before you start externally loading. And also lift odd objects. Like there is a yeah. lot to be said about not just hitting a barbell or dumbbells, you know, sandbags, D-balls, um, kettlebells, you know, moving all planes of movement. Yeah, no, definitely. And again, we could probably go into another podcast on multiplayer training. But I think for me, two, two big takeaways. Uh, can you nail the dead bug test? Yeah. Can you nail the dead bug test? Now, that's the biggest thing for me. I used to struggle with back pain so much, squatting, deadlifting. And I took six to eight months away from it nailing some midline work and now I know that I can click my fingers hit that stack in my ribcage on top of my pelvis and have the confidence to go out to go out whatever I'm training at the other one I want everyone to do and it's a little bit of a challenge and we'll ask them to tag us so if you check the show notes again you'll you'll see our our Instagram uh, our Instagram handles I want you to do the single leg squat test and I want you to let me I want I want you to let me know if you are struggling with knee pain, ankle pain, anything like that, and we want to analyze and have a look at the single leg squat, both in terms of how many reps you're hitting and also the control. So you, it's a way for you to constantly self-assess yourself. Yeah, great shout. Right, that does look so easy, doesn't it, though? That oh, does look so easy. 100%. I, I, I love putting people in it and just watching the, the face change <laughs> very, very quickly. <laughs> It's also fun uh, when people can't coordinate it, so it's uh, yeah. it's good fun. So thanks fun. for joining us, guys. Uh, appreciate you. your support and coming back week on week. Um, as always, if you enjoy the podcast, please let us know in uh, any feedback and any uh, reviews. Please subscribe like and share, share, like, share across social media. And check out the show notes of how you can get involved, ask us any questions, and uh, we'll see you in the next one. Perfect. Have a good afternoon, mate. Enjoy yourself. You too, mate. Bye-bye. Sarah, bye.